Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, podcast family. Today's a really special day for the Wisdom of the Womb podcast. We have an insanely special guest who's doing really weird things with his hands right now and making me laugh. My husband, the one and only Danny Roberts is going to be joining us today for this special episode that I'm titling for the dads, where we're going to be talking about my husband's experience in my pregnancy and what we learned from it and what advice we have for other fathers in the making. So really excited about this episode. Um, It's been awaited for some time by a lot of listeners. So if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. This will be a fun one to tune in for. I highly recommend going and listening to our episode or my episode about our conception journey and all of that. Cause we're not going to be talking about that so much today. Um, and then just to get some context here, but Welcome, welcome, welcome. Also, just a really quick note that if you are currently on a journey to becoming pregnant and seeking help in that regard, please check out my Fertility Freedom Academy course, which is now reopened for enrollment. And the link to that is in the show notes. So without further ado, hi, Dave. Want to introduce yourself to the pod? Hello, everybody. My name is Danny. I understand that I'm instant famous <laughs> in, India. <laughs> in India. In India, I currently have a reel that is trending in um, just the eastern part of the world, and yeah, Danny's Danny's baby's becoming instant famous in India. Mm-hmm. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. What do you do for work? What's your light? What are your hobbies? Just give everyone a little bit of a behind the scenes look at who Danny is. Yeah. Um, I, for work, work in, uh, commercial real estate finance. I like for all my real estateers out there. I like to say that my second love is behind Stephanie is real estate. (laughs) It's a new thing that I've started saying in the last year. Um, (laughs) and I, Stephanie and I both work from home, which has been nice. And we, as you all know, recently moved to Colorado and Colorado is a highly hobbyist state and I've always been a hobbyist. So in terms of what I do for fun, I do a lot of outdoor activities and play a lot of tennis and cycle and things like that. Excited to be here. Definitely listen to these podcasts, both be created and on the back end the <laughs> production of them. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, babe. I feel like us both working from home will probably come into play when we start talking about some of the ways you supported me during pregnancy and also what it was like for you. Cause there definitely wasn't that, you know, more traditional break where you're not around all day. So anyways, okay, let's go back to September 18th, 2022. You had just walked in from a tennis match, one of your favorite hobbies. and. I'm standing in the kitchen with a pregnancy test that has just shown me that we are having a baby. How did you feel? I'm so curious. Like, how did you feel when you first found out I was pregnant? I felt very excited, obviously. And I felt uh, a little bit relieved because it, you know, for us, thankfully, 
I think happened relatively easily. I mean, we there was certainly intention behind it, but perhaps it even happened earlier than we thought it might. So I felt all of those things and I felt obviously really um, uh, very excited and also kind of anxious uh, because it just made me feel old and amazed that you know, we were going <laughs> to we were going to have a kid and I felt like a kid myself. And then, and then I was, and I was just thinking about this. I, I feel like probably everybody shares that feeling when they're starting to have kids. Like nobody ever feels like they're 100% ready and like able to be the 100% adult that they need in order to be the you know responsible party for their kids. So I, I felt all of those emotions um, all in a positive light and also just in a, in a, uh, in a in a way that made me feel shocked shocked yeah 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 I think it's such an interesting thing because you're right probably no one ever feels truly like the grown-up in the room you know um maybe some people do but I know I certainly had those moments too and I'm curious like over the next several weeks what was that adjustment like, like becoming, you know, going from this place of, yeah, we have, I mean, technically, I guess we still had no responsibilities other than ourselves. I mean, almost to some extent, even now at 37 and a half weeks pregnant, it's still just, you know, on this earth side, you and me that we're responsible for, but what was that adjustment like for you? getting more comfortable with that idea of like, oh yeah, okay. So I have this shock of becoming that I'm going to become a parent, but what was that adjustment like over the next several weeks? Um, I think it was a adjustment of, uh, just getting used to the new circumstances, um, and like recognizing that there were you know, for you, maybe your audience knows, but your first trimester was hard on, on kind of your body and the way that you, uh, lived your life. It changed a lot of things up pretty quickly. Um, like for example, you know, I think early morning nausea and to some extent like nausea throughout the night. And I don't see any of that going on. Um, and so for me, it was, it was a matter of like, being empathetic about the situation, even though maybe I can't see the changes yet. Um, so for example, like you would wake up in the morning and I have vivid memories of many, many times throughout the first trimester, you, you, and we were living in Atlanta at the time and you would be in bed and I would be working at my desk, like down the hall, you know, with behind a shut door. And I would hear Danny, I need some food. And in the beginning I was like, so I was, you know, frustrated by that because it it just felt like you should be able to get your own breakfast but (laughs) (laughs) but uh I think that that is probably the job of of the man is to at that stage in pregnancy is is to recognize that there are changes going on behind the scenes that you can't see and that you just have to be able to be reactive and, and proactive in the context of those changes and you know be supportive that's what it comes down to yeah like I didn't look pregnant you know, and I think that that's a really hard thing for someone who's, I mean, not even just men, but for someone who hasn't ever been pregnant. And for, in the case of our partners who never, you know, who are of the opposite sex, who never will be pregnant, really hard to understand, right? That like there's so much happening <laughs> inside and that the person you love feels so different already, even though she looks not different at all to you. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a really hard adjustment. I mean, I, I think I even felt that with my friends, you know, like that, my friends who hadn't been through that experience just could not relate to where I was coming from, but being my husband, right. You have this like front row seat and you're the one who's charged with making me two over easy eggs with the perfect amount of runniness in a five minute window before. So I don't (laughs) completely lose the whole morning. So Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like that adjustment was really just having to come to the realization of, okay, like there's a lot happening here that I maybe can't see. And I'm curious if you want to speak to some of the, just like other challenges that you felt like came up with that, if any. I think that was the 
primary challenge was was uh yeah being empathetic about the situation and and recognizing that things were changing that I wasn't able to see but that I could be supportive around you know it kind of felt like uh in the first trimester although this is this waned off like pretty quickly off a cliff there like coming into the second try and then third try it felt like we had a baby already in the first trimester mm, I was the baby <laughs> yeah or or it, or it just felt like we had there like our our uh our the structure of our lives changed pretty significantly very quickly because it was it was as it was leading up until the moment we realized you were pregnant and then like a week after that all these changes started occurring of course I couldn't see the changes so it wasn't like that but it you know it changed our sleeping patterns it changed what my responsibilities were it changed the way that we communicate um it, yeah it kind of just changed I think each of our and certainly my perspectives on life to some extent so okay so how did you get from a place of like you should be able to make your own breakfast and these feelings of deep frustration with me, which I remember. <laughs> but for the record, Danny is not great at hiding when he's frustrated about something. <laughs> He'll like not act out on it, but you can just like see it in this like underlying um, lines in his face. Like he's almost like holding back something like that. <laughs> so it was pretty evident from the get-go that he was feeling frustrated, but then you made that shift. And I mean, you've been so supportive. And so I'm really curious, like, what do you have to offer for, like, how did you get to that mindset shift? And what do you have to offer to other people who might be listening, who are in that place of like, okay, I wasn't expecting my life to change this much right now. Or I feel like I don't recognize my wife. I think it takes time for some people, right? I'm, we're not talking months here, but it probably takes a little bit of time and practice. And so for me, it didn't happen overnight. It, I think the realization that essentially the realization was that, you know, things were happening behind the scenes that maybe weren't like immediately uh, made aware to me visually, but were certainly like, it wasn't like you were complaining for no reason, for example, right? Like I just had to be empathetic to the situation. And I think time patience and openness to the you know situation however you know your wife or partner may be experiencing it um was key so i think for for me the adjustment probably occurred over the course of i don't know two or three weeks to to the point where i was like oh okay this is like this is something that is real <laughs> and my my behaviors and reactions should probably change and I should probably be supportive. It wasn't like I was being a, an a-hole about the overall situation. Right. But I just wasn't being as, uh, as patient as I think I normally am as a person, you know, I, I just wasn't being as empathetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So any tips for people on how to train that empathy? <laughs> I think just communicate is key, you know, understand what your, what your wife or or partner or feeling and probably try to listen to this podcast and talk about it beforehand, <laughs> you know, like understand for the dudes out there that, that this is a possibility that, it, and it could feel like it happened, uh, over a cliff. It happened really quickly and it might not be there might not be like a phasing in period that's why i equated it to having a baby like and we haven't even you know we're sitting here and stephanie's very much in the in the red zone and she could literally go into early labor right now as we're giving <laughs> this podcast that'd be pretty cool and it'll just happen really quickly and the more that you're prepared for it by you know studying up and communicating i think it was key and i think we did not do that but i think perhaps i could have you know, I listen to, for for example, if we're on a drive, you'll sometimes pull up your birthing, home birth, et cetera, podcasts. And I had listened to a few of those and guys on those podcasts talk about exactly what we're talking about here. And I think if I had uh, maybe listened to some more of those on my own, um, I would have been better prepared and we could have shaved those two or three weeks of me refiguring out 
what life looks like at that time mm-hmm. into two or three days. <laughs> that could have been nice. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. But just because so many women, I think, I mean, actually not as many as women as should. Um, and that's something that I'm really passionate about, as you know, is getting more women interested in learning about pregnancy and birth before they're actually there. Because I think that it's going to, when we shift the narrative around that radically changed women's experiences in those life phases and transitions and big moments. But generally speaking, I bet more women prepare for this ahead of time and think about it ahead of time than men in terms of like what the experience is going to be like. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, maybe just taking some time to be aware of that and also to be aware of, you know, this experience could look really different than how I imagined it. I think you and I both thought that I was going to feel really good mm-hmm. during all of pregnancy. And it was a really big shock when I was super nauseous. So yeah, when we were talking about doing this podcast and, you know, just like the things that we wanted to talk about, Danny was like, <laughs> maybe I should title it this, how to not see your wife as a bummer. <laughs> Because I think that's really like, and I just, to be like fully honest, I'm sure that that's how it felt to you, right? It was like, I went from being the day before I found out I was pregnant. You know, I remember we went to that really cute picnic spot in Atlanta and had drank a bottle of wine. And for people who, you know, don't know this already about me, I'm not, I don't really drink. So it was like, I had bought this, like squeeze, bought this special bottle of wine, got really tipsy, you know, drink a whole bottle of wine, made this like amazing charcuterie play that was just like so much fun. Listen to music. Like we had such a fun date night. Right. And then fast forward two and a half weeks later. And that was just the farthest thing from my mind, right? Like the idea of even just eating was challenging. And so, um, I think that there's something really real about like, yeah, just for better and for worse, how to not see your wife as a bummer in some of these moments when she might be. And we just had a fun date last night. So eventually she'll become a not bummer again. (laughs) That's right. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the like more positive elements of this pregnancy for you. What have been some of the highlights so far of being the partner of a pregnant person? Um, I think a lot of the highlights have been, um, you know, watching your body change and seeing the baby grow and right. And it happens uh, for people that haven't been through it, it also starts to happen, at least from my perspective in a more, and this is certainly not scientific, but (laughs) more accelerated at the end, you know? So, so a lot of weight is put on by the baby towards the end. And that obviously causes the woman to grow. So that's been a pretty cool thing to witness, just seeing your body change and grow our baby. And I think throughout the you know, we're eight and a half months in. So throughout that process, just kind of all the opportunities that we've had to uh, plan our life in this context, you know, it, it almost like forces different types of conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have. I think that's been really valuable for our relationship and certainly for me figuring out where I fit into the equation because mm. I'm not growing the baby myself right i'm just kind of here to um at this stage support you and growing the baby um and you've been doing a great job at that right you have um and i think that other kind of positive elements have been um i don't know relationships with our family and friends and people that are going through this experience at the same time or around the same time. I and mean, we, we have a pretty vibrant community. I think we're just at the age where some or many people choose to, you know, go down this path. And that's been really special because I've been able to see and resonate with uh, what my friends and your friends and our friends are, are experiencing on, you know, in their own process. And what else? I think those are the highlights. They sound like some pretty good highlights. They are. It, it's so interesting though. I really quickly want to touch on this piece around like watching my body change because we, for, as we spoke about in the beginning, it's like, there isn't a lot of change. Right. And I remember being like, look, 
look at how, <laughs> like, to me, I felt like I was showing way earlier than I really was because to me, I was right. You know, compared to the body that I had before I was pregnant, things were changing pretty significantly in my eyes. But I remember you being like, you just want to bump so bad. Like you being like, you're not really showing, you just look chubby <laughs> or you're like, you know, bloated. And I'm curious, um, if there was anything like if I'm actually trying to think about how I want to say this, I think that it's like a really interesting dynamic between like when a woman is going through these changes in her body and it feels in some ways beautiful, but in other ways, uncomfortable, especially when you're like in the in-between phases. And then when it becomes like super obvious that you're pregnant, that's a different story, but how it felt on your end, because I feel like you were the main person in my life who I was complaining that I had nothing to wear or, you know, feeling really frustrated about my clothes or feeling really uncomfortable about the shifts in my body or really wanting the shifts to come faster and like to be showing more how it felt as a partner to be on the other side of that and just be like, however that felt for you. I'm curious because I think that a lot of dads in the making probably experience this with their partners because there's a lot of insecurity around body size as this is happening. And I think a lot of us go to our significant others, but that's like not really a place where a lot of male partners probably feel comfortable knowing how to respond to. Was that weird for you? I don't hard. Think, yeah, <laughs> I think it was it was different. Um, I think it created different dynamics that were that required me to be more patient in certain ways. <laughs> I'm thinking like the clothes thing. <laughs> My gosh, the clothes thing. Uh, just in terms of, you know, you, you, your body is changing and you're witnessing yourself and it starts to happen quicker and quicker. As I was saying, you're witnessing yourself, not being able to fit into the clothes that you would like. And you're excited about that because you're growing a baby, but you're also, you also like, you know, you, you, you are somebody that, uh, likes clothes and fashion and things like that. And I think maybe maternity fashion isn't there or you haven't <laughs> spent the money on it or whatever it is. <laughs> and so that was, that required, you know, patience on my end and in, in that context. But I think the actual, like the, the physical changes in your body have been, it's almost, uh, it's hard to think about and like physically perceive in the moment. But when I look back at, you know, we're at the tail end of this experience now, when I look back at the changes, my gosh, it's pretty crazy. I wish we had, you know, and maybe we should do this on the, on the second kid documented take, it take a picture every day. <laughs> Yeah, because it's hard, you know, the day to day, you don't see any changes. But of course, when you look back at a month, or even at this point, it's like, at this point, it feels like it is changing every day. But, but, you know, in the first eight months or so, it was a slower process. And and so it, um, I think you felt it a lot more than, than I noticed it, for Mm -hmm. sure. I'm just going to sneak in here and say for the dads, I actually tried to do a weekly photo and obviously needed Danny's help to do it. And at first he was kind of annoyed by it and then he was down, but he didn't take an initiative with it. And we ended up not really doing it at all. We did maybe like three weeks of it. And it's something that I actually really regret is not having weekly photos to document that change. And so any dad in the making who's listening to this could learn to set a reminder in your phone on the day that the week changes to be like, ask part insert partner's name to take weekly photo, because it would have felt so good to have you, like you're saying now, I wish we had done that. It would have actually felt so good on the other side of it to have you be the one initiating that, I think. Um, so for anyone who's listening to this, that would be like a really beautiful thing probably. Um, and your partner would probably really love that. Uh, and then additionally, I think that having a conversation, especially if your partner is someone who's ever struggled with body image in the past or has, you know, just, you know, anything around the pregnancy, I think that there's a lot of external noise 
about, are you gaining enough weight? Are you gaining too much? Are you showing too early? Are you not showing early enough? Like there's so much noise around that. Um, and our bodies are changing in so many ways, some of which are really beautiful and some of which are less exciting, i.e. skin tags and things like that, you know? And so I think that something that I wish you and I had done, and it's actually been totally fine, but something that I wish you and I had done, and I would really encourage people to do in early pregnancy is have a conversation about how it would feel or like what would feel good in terms of commentary from your significant other. Like I remember once, you know, getting changed and you looking at me, this was probably around month six or so or five. And you just looking at me and in a very cute way, like kind of like smiling and chuckling and me being like, what? And you were like, your body is just so different. And I knew that it was coming from a place of love and admiration. And so I wasn't at all offended by it. Um, and actually it was kind of exciting to me that you were witnessing that, but I think that it's so easy for comments, right. To go any which way. And to have a conversation around like what would feel good. You know, every pregnant woman just wants to feel like they're the most goddess figure and worshiped and sexy and beautiful. And so like whatever your partner needs to, to feel that. And I know that in the past several months, like you and I have really kind of honed in on what actually makes me feel excited when you are talking about my body. And so just having that conversation ahead of time to make sure that your partner is able to receive that well, I think could be really important. Amen. A woman. Uh, okay. So let's also talk a little bit about wanting, you know, care providers, birth experience, et cetera. You know, I think every partner is involved to a different extent. I'm kind of curious, like how you decided how involved you wanted to be when it came to choosing our care providers, coming to appointments, um, decisions that you and I were making around birth and around what we wanted to do. <laughs> um, yeah. Like how did you come to the, how did you come to your decisions about that? I think it was certainly based on communication between the two of us. I think it depends on uh, the dynamic and character traits of each person. Obviously for you, you have a lot of opinions certainly on this subject. Um, and so I think I, to some extent for many things, followed your lead. Um, and that's obviously not gonna be relevant for everybody, like for for for, for other couples, maybe the woman hasn't thought about this any more than the man has. And so then I think it's probably a research project that's equally weighted on the parts of both of them. But I think that I um, involved myself as much as I could in terms of providing value and learning as much as I was able to. One of the first things I did well, among the first things I did was obviously read Ina May's Guide to Childbirth book. And that was a great resource for just setting a really good foundation. Um, I would highly recommend that book to anybody doing any type of any type of birth, men and women. Um, and then I think on our on the care provider aspect of the question, um, I mean, we had a pretty kind of defined set as to what we thought our care providers would be relative to um, just, you know, what we knew we wanted. And obviously ours was interfacing with a move from Atlanta to Colorado. And so we kind of, you know, just went through a list of those care providers that we thought would be most helpful and, and both interviewed them and both communicated as to what we liked and what we didn't like about the options that we had for the various care providers that were available to us, you know, in the context of basically that move. Um, so I, I'd say I was, I'd say I was pretty involved and wanted to be as involved as, as I felt like I should be and was interested in, and, and also as as you felt like you needed help and assistance in areas, you know? Um, so yeah. What do you think about that? 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that it was, um, we knew pretty early, I mean, because we had talked about this for years beforehand, because of my background, we knew that we wanted to do a home birth, right? I'm actually curious if you want to speak to it all. I mean, you had a long time to get comfortable with the idea of home birth, right? But if you can even remember, I mean, because I've been talking about it for so long, because, you know, I did a doula training in 2018, where that became even more clear, but I think even before that, I mean, I just, I remember being a kid and being like, I think I should have my babies at home, but I'm curious if you can even remember the first time that I was like, it felt real in some ways real to you that we would have a baby together. And the idea of home birth came up thoughts, feelings around it. Like, did it take you a while to get comfortable with that? I know by the time that we got pregnant, it was obvious and like you were comfortable with it, but did you have to get comfortable with that initially? I think I probably did. I don't remember it too well. Um, but I remember certainly going into the pregnancy that that was the thing we were going to do. Um, and for people that know me, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, provided that we stay within, you know, some reasonable guardrails. And that was very much within the reasonable guardrails. And then more have learned about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 100% fully behind it. Not that I wasn't in the beginning, but I, I just think the more I've learned about it, the more I've aligned with it too. Um, so I don't, you know, we have a, we have a relationship that is based on open communication. And so we just have a tendency to talk about these things and so, and talk about them before they happen. So that is, um, that's kind of how the experience was, was born. And so I think that that was very valuable to me because it allowed there to be less surprises and less ambiguity and allowed me to be tying back to your question it allowed me to be more, you know, effective, I guess, and speaking with the, with, you know, potential practitioners, midwives, doulas, because I was armed with the, um, language and mindset that I needed to have in order to be able to have conversations. Mm -hmm. right. What would you say to someone who is really new to the, everything with this, whose wife or partner comes to them with a vision for birth that's different than they had previously imagined? So like if you're the average guy in America, right? You probably always thought that when you would have a baby that you, your wife or your partner would give birth in a hospital, probably, right? So what would you say to someone if their partner came to them and was like, I want to have a birth center birth, or I want to have a home birth. Like what, what do you, after you now have gotten to the point over years that have felt like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And this is aligned. And this is why I feel safe doing that. What would you say to someone who was just like, I'm kind of freaked out by that. And how do I get to a place where I'm able to support my partner in the choices that she wants around her birth, either resources or mindset? I think, you know, it just comes down to being open to having a conversation and realizing that it's two people's collective decision after probably a lot of uh, conversations and discussions are had on the topic and, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the key for sure is, is open-mindedness and understanding why that is being sought. And I think that, I mean, my, my main resource throughout all of this, I mean, at this point I have a lot kind of, of more miscellaneous random resources, many from your midwife, many from you, but I mean, reading Enemay's guide, guide child birth, I think is what it's called. Um, and I'm reading it for a second time now because there's a lot of, uh, home birth tips and tricks that I didn't remember the first go around that I'm sure I'll pick up as we approach the, the end point here. Um, but I think that those, those types of resources and just kind of, you know, just like you would make any other decision, just like reading about it rather than going into it close-minded. Um, uh, you know, if we're talking about home birth specifically, I mean, I think that 
when we speak to our families and friends about home birth, depends who you're talking to. And you'd, you'd be surprised once you bring up the topic home birth as to how many people have done it. And maybe those people that you don't necessarily expect, but I think that the more you talk about it with people, uh, the first initial times perhaps feel uncomfortable. And that's like anything in life that if you're not, if you don't fit within the average, then there's probably going to be some uncomfortable situations. But I think that, um, I think that as long as the two people that are making the decision are aligned and they get aligned by, you know, communicating and and reading and being open-minded and learning and understanding, et cetera, um, then, you know, just because you're going perhaps, I guess I'll use the term against the grain, but that has somewhat of a negative connotation, but I guess just because you're not doing what everybody else is doing doesn't mean that you should feel bad about it or that you should feel like uh it's shed it casts a negative light or something mm-hmm. like that and ultimately i mean i know you're really into sphincter law thanks to Ina Bay. Sphincter law guy. <laughs> but ultimately you know your partner being comfortable and feeling safe and feeling taken care of and feeling like she's in the best environment for her to give birth is so critical. And I think it's important to name that having her partner there feeling comfortable and safe is also really important. So yeah, I think definitely everything you spoke to is just like getting really educated because the more you know about birth, the less you fear it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always going to be some unknown there. Um, you always like to quote man laughs and, or no, God, no man plans and God laughs. And that's very true. We are planners. I'm a huge planner. I, I mean, this last couple of weeks of literally, I have like a, I mean, you, you've done a lot of the kind of like birthing specific plans, but I've put your birthing specific plans into a very like logical, easy to read plan <laughs> that makes sense to me and could make sense to other people too. So we literally have like a book, like various booklets put together on various subjects. But um, I think just yeah, you know, approaching the situation in whatever way works for you, but making sure that that whatever the resolution is around the situation works for works for both people. And that comes from being open minded and um, reading up on subject matter and um, yeah, making watching decisive the, decisions to watching the business of being born, watching maybe why not home, which is another really great, even if you're not anyone is not planning for a home birth. They're just really great resources to help understand. And I think something that's really important to name is, especially if you are going to have a birth in a hospital setting, your partner, so, you know, the the non-birthing partner is so important for ad, for being able to advocate for what mom wants and being able to advocate for mom's health and safety. Um, and so really getting involved and getting educated beyond just like the safety statistics, which by the way, a woman is actually safer at home as long as she's within 30 minutes of a hospital. So if your partner is interested in a home or a, you know, birth center birth, that's just an important statistic to know, but, you know, really recognizing that, having like being educated about things, not just in terms of where you want to give birth, but interventions that might happen or, um, you know, tools that might be beneficial for the person who's giving birth is just so, so critical. And something that I think has been kind of interesting and are actually really quick, just on this note again, because I do think it's so important and I really want partners to be able to hear this. Could you talk a little bit, because we did have that one appointment with an OBGYN, remember? And so just for a little bit of context here, we were living in Atlanta. We knew I was pregnant when we were living in Atlanta and we knew we were moving to Colorado. And so when you work with a home birth midwife, there's the way it typically works is there's a global fee. So there's one fee for the entire pregnancy and birth and postpartum. So we weren't going to invest in a home birth midwife in Atlanta with a global fee because we were going to be moving when I was approximately 12 weeks pregnant. So 
we wanted to establish, and I didn't have an OBGYN. I have a lot of feelings about OBGYNs. So I, we didn't establish care with an OBGYN ahead of time, or I, I didn't have established care. And if we're with any care provider in Atlanta, and if something were to happen, it's hard to see a provider if you don't have established care. You know, it can take three or four weeks to get a new provider appointment as opposed to, Hey, something's wrong. I'm I'm coming in today with an established care provider. So we went and saw an OBGYN and I looked up like Atlanta integrative gynecologist or something, you know, like trying to find someone who was a little bit more holistic, but, um, so we went for one appointment with an OBGYN and I'm curious, babe, if you could just speak to like how you felt the difference in care was between that one appointment we had with an OBGYN versus an appointment that we had with Geneva, our midwife, like the first appointment we had with her. I'm really, I think it would just be really valuable for people to hear, like from the dad's perspective, like what did you feel like the biggest differences were or the feeling that you left that appointment with? Uh, I mean, very different experiences. Um, pretty, it, it just, it, I mean, it was like uh, night and day, I would say for us, one experience was obviously very, um, I guess, systematized and institutional and very transactional is a good word to describe now that I'm thinking of it. And, and that was the OBGYN. She was super nice and everybody that worked in the office was great and i i don't i'm I, you know you should do whatever you want to do for sure um and i think that for for us that wasn't what we were looking for and it felt very everything felt very prescribed and uh emergency driven and we were in like the first trimester which was kind of strange and it was also very health insurance based right which I think we can all agree is a very broken system, unfortunately, in this country, probably among the most. Um, and what that ways? It, just in terms of um, uh, how the what what was needed in order for us to, quote unquote, establish care, um, wherein we needed to we needed to like go back. I honestly can't remember the specifics, but we needed to do something in order for her to be our OBGYN. And yeah, we didn't she required want to do that me, she required me time. to have an two ultrasounds by 13 weeks. Right. And we were just gonna, we were planning on just doing a 20-week ultrasound, and that yeah. worked out great for us. And we did do a 20-week ultrasound with somebody else, or was it through her? No, because we did that once we were in Colorado. Oh, we did it once we were in Colorado. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's been a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, one one was just, and again, to each their own, one was just prescribed, transactional. It was like the kind of care that you expect when you go to a hospital, right? And then midwife is like way different than that. It's, you know, we're meeting this woman <laughs> at her house. It's not prescribed. It's not transactional at all. She is literally a birthing wizardress and you know the the combination of number of births that we'll have between the midwives at our at our at our home birth here coming up is in the thousands like you couldn't ask for a more experienced person to be bringing a baby into the world um and so i think that you know it's just it's it's like i said i mean it's like it was like night and day uh in terms of those experiences and i think that because i was open-minded to the midwife experience and was read up on the subject. Um, I was able to realize that care in that context, in the context of, you know, birthing doesn't need to be tied to like a white gown hospital experience. It can be another experience. And now that I've, you know, been living in this for, I mean, we've talked about it for years, but now that I've been living in it for eight months and I've been to many of the midwife appointments, et cetera. I couldn't imagine another way. It also allows us to put a lot more uh, intention behind it. And, you know, my, my sole role isn't just driving you to the hospital once you're like 12 hours after your water breaks or whatever it is. Like I have put, and some people not, might not like this, but I, I have, I've had grown to really like it. I've, I've put so much planning and intention and thought behind what we're doing here, you know? And mm -hmm. so it's certainly been 
a much bigger investment of my of my time, not of our money. It's costing us significantly less. Yeah. But um, but I have certainly thought about it a lot. And that's because I was because I was open-minded and read up. Yeah. And something that I just want to expand on for that too is the interesting thing is, is I think you've actually probably come to less of my prenatal visits than the average dad goes to with their partner. Like I think on average, probably most people I work with, for example, like their partners go to almost all of their prenatal visits with them, but the prenatal visit is maybe five or 15 minutes with the actual provider, right? The rest of the time is like spent waiting in the waiting room or having a nurse check the blood pressure or whatever it is. And so I think it's really interesting where it's like, you actually don't necessarily, you and I don't actually feel like it's necessary for you to be at all of these appointments because we're getting so much more out of the individual appointment, right? When we go and we sit there for an hour, you're getting to know the midwife so well, right? You know, when we had our home visit, they were here for two and a half hours. That's more time than most people are going to spend with their care provider the entire pregnancy, you know? And so um, I think that that's just something interesting to, to note in terms of the difference where it's like, I feel like you feel like, you know, our midwife very well, and that she knows you. And also, you know, during those appointments, you've gotten to like, they'll show you how to feel for where the baby is, right? Or she'll show you how to do something for me or with me. And it's a much more hands-on approach, which actually in a way, like while you're still very invested in the time, it actually, it's just interesting that I think we've been able to come to this place where you've gotten so much of what you've needed that you don't need to like come with me to every single appointment because you're getting so much out of the appointments themselves. Yeah. I love when I loved it recently when Sina was showing you how to specifically feel in the different way for the baby. And it's so fun. Now he gets to palpate my belly in a fun way. Um, okay. So a couple more questions and we're going to wrap this up. But so you talked about all of the like planning that you've been putting into the birth experience it could happen any moment now. How are you feeling about that? Just what are your feelings around this upcoming huge experience we're about to go through together? I feel as prepared as can be and uh, very excited. Definitely, I maintain my very nervous and anxious feeling. Um, not because I know that it's not all going to go well, but just because, you know, it's crazy that it's all going to happen really quickly and it could happen at any moment and it will happen at any moment. Um, and I feel, I feel, I feel like we're ready. I feel ready. I feel also ready to not in social situations be answering. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. Are you, how are you feeling? Are you ready yet? I feel good. Let's get it done. <laughs> and so other than doing your research, reading Ina May's guide to childbirth and putting in the intention, which if you want to expand on what that means more for people, I think that would be really helpful because people like really tangible takeaways. What has got, like, what has gotten you to this place of like, I feel really excited and ready. And the same for postpartum, like breastfeeding, et cetera. Other than those things you mentioned. Yeah. Or just like be more specific about it. Like, I think you say like planning, but for a lot of people, they're like, great. What does that mean? Like, what have you actually been doing? Right. So for you, it was like taking really strategic notes during our breastfeeding class and then like mm -hmm. going over them and making this document, like just like be more specific. I think because a lot of people can be like, okay, I planned great. Like, what does that mean? Give the tangible takeaway for a dad who's listening to this, who's like, Danny, I want to be ready. I want to feel ready and excited. Yeah, I think uh, it was taking notes on books and resources I've read, talking about things with you, taking the plans that you put together, such as um, birth plans are, uh, you know, within our birth plans, we have like, for example, a hospital plan, right? Like in, in an event of an emergency, getting, getting an understanding of what that is and putting it in a format that works for me. Um, uh, what else? Like you mentioned, we had, we took a breastfeeding class a couple of weeks ago. We just took it on zoom. 
Um, that was super valuable. I actually learned a lot within that class and I'm glad, I think probably most or many people choose to do that. Um, but I felt like I came up, we took that class at exactly the right time and came away from that class with a lot of very specific notes as to what the first couple of days would look like and how I can be helpful the first couple of days, you know, feed like giving you cashews and baby, <laughs> I mean, it's totally off topic, but like baby's meconium and the different colors of poop and um, all of those types of things and what to expect in terms of how the baby's sleeping patterns change from, you know, day zero to day seven to day 14 and things like that. Um, and taking notes on, again, all of this stuff. And I literally just have a Google document that uh, combines the guides that Stephanie has put together, like a postpartum packet. So we're, we're uh, basically have all the resources that she put together in that postpartum packet in terms of recipes and ways people can help that might be visiting and things like that. And that is just like a link on my much larger Google document um, that I will have up at all times on my laptop currently do right now, <laughs> um, just to, uh, inform me and remind me of the things that I've learned along this journey that have now, that are, that are the, you know, uh, that are combined into that packet that I created. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that was a very long winded answer, but that, that is literally what I've done and how I did it. And that works for me. And I'm sure other people it will work for them in a different way. But I guess my, my parting words on that subject would, would just be to think about it, you know, mm -hmm. think about it, spend time on it, look at, look at it as like some percentage of your responsibility um, and like your day to day. And especially in the last few weeks, I've probably spent, I don't know, 15 or 20% of my overall time and organizing my thoughts and organizing our lives around this. And that's pretty significant. That is significant. Beautiful. He also meditates in the room where we're taking, putting all the baby stuff. I wonder if that's at all been helpful. <laughs> it has been helpful. Amazing. Okay. Bill, this has been really fun, babe. Thanks. Is there anything else you want to offer? Any advice, any closing words to the dads in the making or the dads who will be in the making? for supporting themselves and their partners during the experience of pregnancy and, for, and preparing for birth. Biggest key takeaway is just communicate. If you have a, if you have a relationship that's built around communication already, great. If you don't, then I, you know, I highly recommend to use this opportunity to build one because I think that it probably will only get you know, life's uh, questions and challenges will certainly only get more complicated as you bring more people into the into the family fold. So communication is key. Amazing. Thanks, babe. Thanks, all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you got value from this podcast, please, please, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help more dads in the making. Uh, find this podcast and get there, get support there. Uh, even leaving us a rating would be beautiful and we super appreciate it.